0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast on the Pit Podcast Network. My name is Shad. I'm joined tonight by Matt and Brad. How are you guys doing? Doing good.
1: Uh, do, doing good under the circumstances, yes.
0: That, that's that's a sentiment I can identify with. All right. Well, we're glad you all could join us. We hope you have fun listening and... Um, We do want to know that uh, we do have a social – we want you to know we have a social media presence. So let's tell you where you can find us all. And um, just to get it out there, message us right on the wall, DM us, add us, whatever. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. So we'll start with, I guess, with the one and work our way through because we are on Facebook. Isn't that right, Brad?
1: Yep, you can. Look us up, Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four. Corners is one-word podcast. Uh, We post the episodes every week, so you can like and comment on them. You can leave us a comment, whatever you want to do.
0: Incidentally, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you're aware, but SoundCloud and Google are curious. And are there other services that we're missing?
1: We're on iTunes.
0: We're on iTunes.
1: You can subscribe and leave us a five-star review. That helps our visibility. We're also on Stitcher. I have no idea what Stitcher is, but we get listens there, so people obviously use it.
0: <laughs> all right. We're also on the Twitter. Isn't that right, Matt? We are on Twitter.com.
2: <laughs> at, at uh, Specifically, we are at Podcast Four Corners. That's the capital P. That's the number four. Podcast Four Corners. And we want to hear from you. We want you to follow us so we can converse and talk all things wrestling and other things as well.
0: We are also on Instagram. It is the number four, Corners Podcast. You can't put spaces in it in the name on Instagram, so it's just Four Corners Podcast. Um, and if you don't like social media, if you just look at it and you say, Ew, there is another option, right, Brad?
1: Yep, uh, you can email us. It is pitpodcast25 at gmail.com.
0: Cool. Um, A couple of shout-outs we want to get out as well. We are currently getting the processing done for our partnership with Collar and Elbow. Collar and Elbow, um, support your local indie wrestler. Set up by wrestlers for wrestlers and wrestling fans. Once our processing gets done, we'll have um, discount codes and all kinds of good stuff. Collar and Elbow drops New merchandise every three months, every quarter they come out with new lines of merchandise. Um, it's run by good people. The stuff's printed on good, comfy shirts. It holds up well. It's quality. It's quality stuff, <clears throat> and it uh, it goes into supporting the folks that you're fans of. They came out recently with a really nice one. Living the dream. Gold on black with a picture of Dusty Rhodes' boots right next to the text. So it was very nice. <clears throat> and so, Collar and Elbow, you know, look them up too. They're good people. They're on social media as well. And now, you guys got to know that this is, this is being recorded in November. So it's very important. No, it's necessary that we remember one very specific person isn't that right Matt
2: that'd be Epico cologne <laughs> Epico uh recently apparently went to a Manchester City uh soccer game so that's uh that's I never knew he was a fan uh but I would love to go see a soccer game or football
0: with uh with Epico I think we all would <clears throat>
1: so uh, before please. we before we get started too If you're listening to this, you have a homework assignment for next week, and that is to watch ECW November to Remember 1998, so you can uh, follow along with us as we talk about that show next week.
0: Yeah. um... (laughs) Oh, God. We'll talk about it, right?
1: Oh, we will.
0: (laughs) But... First of all, we've got some uh, some other stuff that we want to go through this week. Um, there's been a number of things go on that we kind of want to hit on. So, <clears throat> thank you for joining us for a uh, state of right now episode. Uh, the first one we've got actually happened uh, today. We're recording this November twelfth, twenty eighteen, and uh, big news that came out today was that um, the world kind of lost a. Uh, a big figurehead in terms of uh, creativity. Uh, Stan Lee passed away today.
1: I would call him a, well, he was a living legend, unrivaled probably by anyone in the comic industry for their contributions to um, the modern comic book. <clears throat>
0: um, I would be one that would say that. It, I I wish there was a little more credit thrown Jack Kirby's way on that, but you know what? Uh, I can't take anything away from Stan. See,
1: here's the thing. Everything that he did. Here's the thing. When you get into, like, Kirby and Ditko and um, Lee, when you read a lot of those comics, a lot of it is unified by his singular voice. And while he didn't draw a lot of that stuff, he gave a lot of those characters their voices. And he's a big part of of throwing out that rule book and um you know a lot of what they did is still a cornerstone of like the modern comic book like the idea of a shared universe you know the heroes having problems like if you read superhero comics from the early 60s and you read spider-man spider-man is like it breaks all the rules it's Um,
0: very very different
1: yeah
2: <laughs> yeah stan was a personal hero of mine like i i love the guy like he there i was actually texting with a friend of mine earlier today and i, I said legitimately there are few people in life who have given me more joy than stanley just uh, all the different things he created over the years um beloved characters that you know I grew up reading and I've read for decades at this point so uh, we kind of knew it was coming he was older he was 95 years old and had been in poor health but it doesn't
0: lessen the blow much it's still yeah. very sad yeah yeah and and understand if I say that I wish like Kirby had gotten some more credit I'm not taking away from Stanley Stanley had an incredible ride and did some incredible stuff he helped <clears throat> you know, helm Marvel Comics from a little little part of another company to being its own thing. <clears throat> and then was a big part of, you know, creation of some iconic characters. Spider Man, Hulk, Doctor Strange, Fantastic Four, Daredevil, um, the X-Men. You know, the well, <laughs> the X-Men being the uh <clears throat> being uh, every teenager's favorite superhero group and then um also ch- as brad said challenging the comic code authority so i don't know guys tell me what um what of stanley's creations was the one that uh seemed to resonate the most for you do you want to go first brad or
1: um you know it's really changed over the years and um you know, when I was a teenager, I was big into the X Men and Spider Man. Um, he really didn't have a hand in like the more like the, the Claremont era X Men as much, but um, you know, he the base ones like Magneto, Cyclops, those those guys. But more in my older years, more like Iron Man and Daredevil, I would say, and the Avengers.
2: People, well, the Avengers is great, but um, people really choose. I, a lot of people, I think, choose the X Men, uh, and that's fine because they he created those characters, and then they proceeded to become, you know, arguably some of the biggest comic book characters of all time. I mean, I remember back in the '90s when I really started collecting as a kid; uh, those X Men, you, you they were basically you weren't printing like comic books. You were basically like. Printing money because people just ever they they sold hundreds of thousands of copies. Um, did you guys have uh, X Men number one like the re um, oh, not, not uncanny real. X not uncanny X Men just
0: the regular the, the self title series. Yeah, that the, uh, yeah, is that the one made. where Magneto was pulling the nukes out of the Russian subs? I think it was. That's where he I made asteroid M. I think. Yeah. Like the- yes, okay. I think. Like the uh, the issues uh,
2: illustrated by Jim Lee, yeah, those, those are huge. I mean, yeah, they sold. Yeah. They went through I don't know how many printings of that. Um, so X Men would probably be a lot of people's uh, pick. I'm a little bit with Brad. I think I would say Spider Man to me is kind of like that endures. Like I still love Spider Man. He's
0: mm,
2: arguably my favorite Marvel character. He's not my favorite comic <laughs> character of all time, but. Uh, as I've grown older, it is kind of like a a coin flip between him and Iron Man. I do love Iron <laughs> Man a lot. I, I have pretty much the entire run of uh, the initial Iron Man series because there's been he, he's had a few series now. They keep they keep re reor- like re doing yeah. new series and then renumbering them. But uh, I have like the entire run of the first one, and I think actually the the brief Heroes Reborn series. I have a I have all of those as well, but um. You could literally go. We could literally do this entire podcast just on on Stanley Creations, and yeah. really barely barely scratch the surface of all the yeah. work he did.
1: I have I'll,
0: I'll, let me throw my hat in while we're while we're on this. I'm um, sorry to cut you off, Brad.
1: But oh, you're fine.
0: Of you know, as a teenager in the same time frame, of course, you know the X Men were were everybody's favorite because you know there's this whole growing up and the powers manifest whenever they hit puberty and feeling kind of outside because everything's changing around you. So I think it's the idea. You're supposed to identify with it. And of course I was a little Wolverine fanboy. But as I got older, um, one of Stan's big creations had one of my has my favorite Marvel character in it. Ben Grimm, the thing from the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. is my favorite um my favorite Marvel character. And, you know, he's not the strongest. He's not the toughest. He's not the biggest, but he's just got a personality that I don't know. It just kind of resonates with me. So at least, at least I'm more of a DC guy, but I can appreciate a lot of good writing that goes into it. You know, Iron Man explored a whole lot of, you know, stuff that people weren't going to talk about. Well, I I guess they were kind of talking about it. Around the same time frame that um, Green Lantern and Green Arrow were talking about Speedy's addiction, but you know, you some really impressive stuff going. But I don't know, Ben Grimm is always the one that stuck out for me.
1: I um, going along with the Ben Grimm thing, he also created probably the best rivalry ever in comic books, which is the Thing versus the Yancey Street Gang.
0: <laughs> oh my God, I forgot all about that.
1: I was gonna say I have. I have a, I don't really collect physical books, but at one point I had probably all but about, a hundred and twenty issues of the original Uncanny X Men run. And I think my collecting. Went, I think the oldest issue I had was Uncanny X Men number five. And I had a copy of giant size number one. I still have my copy of giant size number one.
2: Uh, I want to go back to something that Shad just brought up, um, since since The Thing is your favorite uh, character of all time, or at least a uh, creation by uh, Stan Lee, that is. Um, did you ever read Fantastic Four fifty one? That's one of my favorite comic books of all time. And I mean, I've read a lot of comic books in my day
0: i need tell me what the story is and i can tell you if i this
2: one is a classic you may know it by the the just the title it's this man this monster
0: do you recall it now or is it wait 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 hang on i'm trying to oh man i've got like two or three in my head and i'm not sure if i'm thinking of the right one so this is one that i i must have been
2: gosh i probably was like just ten or ten or eleven years old when I read this. and it it always left a lasting mark just because it was it's amazing storytelling tell, story storytelling. Um, for its day and even for today, I think, I think it still resonates. That's the one where some guy, some like random guy, uh, uses some sort of device that he's created and he basically transforms into the thing. He like switches roles. And, uh, ben Grimm suddenly turns human again okay Uh, no i i'm I'm not
0: familiar with this one but please keep going it's a
2: great story so he this this man transforms into the thing he basically steals the thing's power uh and he's he his purpose is he actually wants to go to the baxter building and i think his plan was to kind of kill um reed richards because he hated him for some reason i think he thought that he was like just some arrogant asshole who uh he was trying to become rich and famous off his inventions? But he uh, he goes and he goes to the Baxter Building. He infiltrates it because everyone thinks he's the thing because he looks exactly like him. Um, but then he goes to Reed Richards, and before he can actually do anything nefarious, Reed Richards is involved in this experiment. The experiment goes awry, and it looks like you know Reed Richards is going to die. The, the place is going to explode, but he tries to save who he thinks is the thing you know it's more like a oh my god this experiment has gone terrible like you have to save yourself I'm going to save you and then at that point the guy realizes Reed Richards isn't the person I thought he was he actually is a selfless person so uh, the fake the imposter thing. it's kind of I'm, I'm now it's making me think of like imposter sting <laughs> the <NW thing. laughs> um, uh,
0: end the the window sting that's also on the table
2: yeah, the imposter thing basically sacrifices himself to save Reed Richards. because He's like, you know, I was wrong about him. So, uh, and then there's all this drama because people think the at least the the Fantastic Four, the other Fantastic Four members think that that the Thing just died, like he just sacrificed himself, which it wasn't. It was the imposter. And there's also additional drama because the Thing, who had been turned back human, was excited because he's like, oh my god, I have my life back. He goes to alicia richard what was her name name? alicia
1: masters Masters, because she was the puppet master's daughter
2: right he goes to alicia masters and he's like you know look i'm he he goes to be with her because like i'm human again and then when as soon as the man dies whatever uh whatever he used the device for it that ended so the thing like slowly starts returning back into his ben grimm's returns back into the thing form and so he's like all you know, it's it's a tragedy again that he's now the monster. So yeah. there's there's multiple layers of drama to this, um, but it's just a fantastic issue. And I'm fortunate. Fortunately, years ago, I actually got a copy. It's a beat up copy, and it's not in great shape. But I actually got Stanley to sign that. It's one of oh, my, nice. one, of awesome. my pri- yeah, one of my prize yeah one of my prized possessions. It's not. It cannot be worth much because I mean, if, if we're talking grading, because I that that issue fetches a pretty penny in good condition. So I think yeah. the condition I got it was probably like I think I probably paid like I don't I forget how much it was, but it, if I had to grade it, it even with Stanley's autograph it's probably not worth much in terms of value, but it is valuable to me because it's arguably one of my favorite comic book issues of all time and I got the great Stanley to sign it, so
0: There was a book that came out when I was in middle school, it was a Fantastic Four book. And it got to, um, it was, <clears throat> um, the Fantastic Four, and it, it was a novelization of the first time they got involved with, uh, um, Atlantis and Namor, I think. I think that's right. <clears throat> but early on in the book, there's this whole thing about where, um, Ben is just trying to, um, you know trying to get out and be around people right so he has his his giant like camel hair coat and hat to try and cover up and he's talking about how tough it is cuz his his actual apartment it's on the ground floor and everything in it has to be made out of reinforced stuff because he can't control like how strong he is, he's just that strong, and he, he's not like Superman who can fine tune it. And he ends up going to um, a carnival freak show and um, getting in a shouting match with this guy who's basically heckling the performers during the whole thing. <coughs> and um, then one of the the Atlanteans shows up, and it's like. Oh, you! And then it calls him out, and there's this big wave, and it like ruins his coat. So he whips his coat off. He's like, "That was my favorite coat." He stand there, and the guy that had been heckling goes, "Honey, look at it, it's it's the Hulk." And the, <laughs> Grim looks at him and says, "If I didn't want to punch you before, just know that's what that's what really set it in stone." But it was a really it did this really good like in depth day in the life, and. You know, he'd get stories from, like, sick kids that say, I wish I was strong as you. And he, his response was always, why would you want to be? <clears throat> so, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. The, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, if you, if you get into the uh, history of comics at the time, um, Marvel was called Atlas at the time, and they were just, like, a fad chaser. So, like, if cowboys were popular, they would... Um, make a lot of cowboy comics that's kind of what they were doing at the time and um, DC had kind of started doing their Silver Age recreations of their Golden Age characters so Marvel decided to go in that direction and I think he was kind of thinking of getting out at the time and his wife kind of convinced him to try it and just to do it like he wanted it to be done (laughs) So, Marvel at the time was actually being published by DC, so until the 70s, they could only, like, publish 10-ish books a month, so that's why Iron Man and, like, Cap and all that are appearing in these weird anthology titles. They haven't, like, the title has nothing to do with it. So, it's interesting, it's also interesting if you go back and read that scene, like, him slowly break out of the conventions of the time and start to really, like, break the rules as...
2: Is time progresses mm-hmm. sure yeah and I, it's kind of been said before um but i'll say it right now again uh, a lot of people that i've seen on my social media personally who first off there was just like an incredible outpouring of love like i i didn't see a single person really talking bad about Stan or not just giving him like effusive praise for all of his contributions you know because he to, to pop culture really in general I mean he's been around for decades and created so many of these characters but uh, a lot of um, a lot of commentary I saw from people who were minorities in the terms of you know they're not non-white basically or um, people who are in the LGBTQ community who who said that a lot of what Stan did, um, back in the day with X-Men and other characters, Black Panther. like Foster. S- yeah. So many characters, like tons of characters over the years um, just really kind of helped them growing up dealing with, you know, being marginalized, being a minority, being someone who felt that they didn't belong? Like they, they could look to Stan's work and see the things that he did um, with minority characters, with the X-Men in particular, because they were obviously portrayed as outcasts. Or uh, people have drawn a lot of symbolism between them and both you know minority groups and uh, you know the gay community, things like that. So. Uh, just what he was doing was really pretty progressive at the time, and I guess we didn't grasp it really when we were kids necessarily, because um, we're just you know, reading about really cool superhero stories, but as we got older, you know, more mature, we can kind of see those parallels, and it really did make an impact on a lot of people's life in a very positive way, so another yeah. testament to, to him uh, as a creator, as a uh, just as an author, just the characters that he created, the stories he told, it really helped people just on a personal level, um, kind of progress and and just enrich their lives. So, I mean, what what that's a
0: tremendous testament. Sure. So, um, other stuff that another kind of fun thing um, that I thought of is whenever the movie started coming out, um, Stanley would be, be making cameos in the movies, right? So you'd see him here or there or something like that. And uh, I just want to take a second to ask you guys, what was your favorite Stanley cameo in a Marvel movie?
1: Guardians
0: of the Galaxy, I think. Which, hang on.
1: I don't remember. It was either him as Hugh Hefner or there was a Guardians of the Galaxy one. I remember being really good where he was. No, no, him and um, Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok might be what I'm thinking of.
0: I'm trying to remember what it was in Ragnarok.
1: He was uh, Oh, what was he in Ragnarok? He was like a wasn't he like a big spender or something at their Oh, what was he?
2: Uh are you talking about the the one was it Guardians two where he's um he's with the watchers?
1: I remember that. Oh house.
2: my god, yes. Oh, that was amazing. That's a that's a good one. That that might be my favorite. But uh, there's another one that actually someone brought up on my social media today, which I f- completely forgot about. But it's great. It's a it's a throwaway joke, but it's funny. Um, it's when he it's it's uh, Captain America: Civil War, uh, where he shows up. <laughs> he shows up to um, deliver a package to uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark, and uh, I think. I think James Rose is there too, but he's delivering like this, what's supposed to be like FedEx. And he's like package for Tony stank. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's just, it's such a dumb joke, but his delivery and everything, it, it was, it's funny.
0: Yeah. Um, if you want,
1: Stan Lee's the, the guy that cuts Thor's <laughs> hair and Thor Ragnarok.
0: Yes, that's right. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause he, he's he's freaking out and he goes you will not cut the god of thunder's hair and he hits the button and all the stuff pops out of the pack and he goes please don't cut my hair but my favorite was having stanley with the watchers that was i thought that was a magnificent joke however just straight up funny and fitting what you're looking at his appearance in the first deadpool movie <laughs> was I didn't see it coming, I should have, but I I got a big kick out of that, too.
1: Also, it should be noted he was the announcer for Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends.
0: Yeah, Uh, and he also had... It's not a cameo, it's a full-on part uh, in the Kevin Smith classic Mallrats. Um,
1: Oh, yeah, that was good.
0: Yeah, and the thing that got me about his performance in Mallrats was how natural he was at it it because you would expect that for some people, you know, they're not actors. So their dialogue comes off kind of stilted or whatever. No, not, not with, he, he just, he delivered it all very, very naturally. And so it was this nice, nice moment that turned out to be a put on, um, which was, you know, just a great joke. But, um, yeah, uh, that's 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 what we got.
1: It's gonna be <clears throat> so weird seeing a Marvel movie without him in it.
2: I know for a time they were already pre um, doing his cameo, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't know how far in advance they were doing that. I think probably for like Captain Marvel or something that maybe a Spider Man with things that are already in production. He probably would. I can think of maybe two or three films like Avengers. Probably they could have done that. The Spider-Man movie I know has been filming. Uh, Captain Marvel's probably mostly done. So I would say those likely. He has His cameo is down. I don't know beyond that though.
1: Oh, I forgot he was on uh, the Simpsons a couple times.
2: Oh yeah. There's a really great scene where he's basically mocking comic book guy. Oh yeah. Comic shop
1: guy. Yeah. I remember Bart was doing works. He's like, my Spidey sense is tingling. He's like, really? Is that good? He's like, no, I meant stinky.
0: In the, um, you know, in the spirit of of even if they were to, to find other ways that weren't filmed to stand in, I think it'd be a very doable thing. I mean, if if it was just as simple as, like in the first Thor movie, he was the one driving the truck to go pick up a uh, they could still splice him in here or there, you know, just as kind of an Easter egg. And it'd be a nice homage to keep going, I'd like to think. So, um God rest you, Stanley. Thanks, uh you know, thanks for all the crazy ideas. We enjoyed them a lot. And uh you know, you earned your rest, man. Is there anything else you guys wanted to say about uh the illustrious Mr. Lee before we continued on.
1: Yes, I forgot the best part of The Simpsons is when he, when Homer is raging and he's like, he's not the Hulk I am, and he, like, rips his shirt off and he's growling. <laughs> and comic book guy's r- like, hold on, I'm trying to get it. Yes, yes. I just wish you had the power to leave my store. Almost had it there. That w- I forgot about that part. But yeah. Um, like I said, I agree with Matt. Big part of my life, still into my adult life, you know. I still read comic books, so it's good and but like, unfortunately I knew it was coming. Like he had been in ill health and there'd been some, you know not so encouraging stories about his mental faculties and his general health the last year or so.
0: Yeah. Well, that, and, you know, being 95, uh, you kind of got to figure the clock's ticking at some point through there. Yeah. So, um, we're going to kind of leave the, the, the fond, wistful part of the program now, and we're going to cast our eyes back here a little bit recently. We're going to go back, actually, a little bit further, and um, if you guys are hearing some life happen in the background on my end, then uh, my apologies, but, you know, life happens.
1: So, um, Shad, have you slept since the last time uh, you appeared on this podcast?
0: <laughs> um, I'm sure that I have.
2: The fact that you can't quite recall, um, other than just vague, I, I, vaguely, I yes, I'm sure that did happen at some point. It's, I have.
0: it's um, we've had some really great family helping us out since the little ones come along, and you know my wife and I are working the tag team back and forth to kind of cover what's going on as we can and that sort of stuff. It's just a uh, you know it's it's the challenges that come with it, but. They end up being worth it, uh, and and older sibling is is still trying to adjust to the change. Uh, has has two whole years worth of experience to apply to, to this adaptation, so um, we're we're doing okay. Uh, Shad, you said that
2: life happens. Would you say that life?
0: uh uh get uh, get yes it did it yet, yet, yes yes it did <laughs> that was that was a good gold bloom by the way
2: <laughs> also a big part of uh Thor Ragnarok we're gonna tie it all back to
1: yes
0: <laughs> Thor Ragnarok like the first 10 15 minutes of Thor Ragnarok is some of the funniest stuff I've seen in a movie in a
1: long time it was for well two things one it is a quality um, film adaptation of Planet Hulk, and two. It's,
2: it's pretty a, good, yeah. Yeah. In that regard,
1: two Winter Soldier is by far my favorite Marvel movie, and they haven't topped it yet. But this would Thor Ragnarok is up there as far as their best efforts go.
0: Yeah, it's it's about as good as as a Planet Hulk adaptation as we can reasonably expect because they're not going to go full on do Planet Hulk. That's just not going to happen. But, anyway, to to um, move on over back into the wrestling world. With this being November, uh, we've got, in the last, I guess, about month, we had two events we're talking about. And so, uh, we had Evolution, the women's pay-per-view, which came to us from uh the nassau coliseum in uniondale new york and crown jewel which came to us from somewhere yeah um,
2: some some
0: undifi- undisclosed location in the world um <laughs> we're not we're not supposed to know where it's i don't think it was some more time space yeah i don't think it was parts unknown because then we would have seen uh the families of more of guys who had been on the roster in the past but uh
1: but yeah
0: it came to us from somewhere
1: i have to break in with some breaking news it'll be quick but matt you'll be interested to know that the bills have ended the nathan peterman experiment
2: oh
0: really
1: yes Hmm. okay back to our regularly scheduled program
0: so i'm going to start us off (laughs) with um, yeah, <laughs> evolution. Oh,
2: I'm sorry. Um, I, I hate to break, Chad. I'm sorry to cut you off. Oh, bad Brad's breaking news. I, I went to. Um, I just went to Google to kind of um, search for Nathan Peterman, <laughs> just to look at the whatever news story you're, you're hearing. And it, you know how, like, if you look on Google, like, the search results will show uh, news results, but it'll also show something like a Wikipedia excerpt or something like that. <laughs> Apparently, someone has updated Wikipedia to to uh, define his name as Nathan "quote interception" (laughs) Peterman. That's
1: how did they? How are they so quick with the trolling on
2: Wikipedia? They edit those things immediately.
1: So, so Shad, because I know you don't follow football. um, So this guy. Not really. So this guy. This guy was so terrible that there was—he was a couple games into his career, and someone could have come into a game, thrown nothing but incompletions, and by the mathematical system that they rate quarterbacks, would have had a better rating than him. Wow!
2: Yeah, his uh, his touchdown to interception ratio is three to twelve. Yeah. <laughs> you you <laughs> oh, need that you God. need that completely reversed. <clears throat> Oh, oh my God. There was
1: a point where Tom Brady could have thrown a thousand interceptions in a row and his rating would have still been better, like his touchdown to interception ratio. Because usually a good NFL quarterback is about a two to one ratio. Yeah. So.
0: Okay. so. um, Evolution. And I figure we're going to go – we'll, we'll kind of go through and, and hit the high points on this so that this episode doesn't go on for, for too long. Um, let's see. <clears throat> One of the big things that happened in this uh, this show um, – well, okay, for the starter, uh, Rhea Ripley defeated Dakota Kai for the NXT Women's Championship. Or was that pre-show? No, but it was Dark Match, so we didn't get to see it. Yeah. Okay, so first match that we got to see was Trish and Lita uh, versus Mickey James and Alicia Fox with Alexa Bliss. Not good. Um, well, news popped up that uh, I believe that Alexa suffered a number of concussions back to back to back. And so they're not sure about her status going forward, which is why in recent times she's been in more of a manager role.
1: She's been kind Most of falling apart because she's had status
0: going forward, like forever.
1: I don't know, because we talked about that on the, the more in-depth review show. Though, Remember, she, has, she had that weird thing with her arm and numbness or something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She's been a total wreck for about four or five months now.
0: Yeah. And she hasn't got any time to really heal up. So we don't know if we're talking about like permanently or for the next couple of years or what. I would
1: imagine if she can get in the ring without having concussion symptoms, she'll be back. Because that's what finally ended Christian, is he can't get in the ring without like without like starting to get symptoms of it.
0: Mm. Yeah. So. Um, that's, that's part of what got me out, was I didn't want to get to that point. But that means that um, Trish and Lita defeated Mickey and Alicia with the Real crux of the match, not even being in the match itself. So, um, next match on the card was the Battle Royal. Uh, winner gets a shot at Women's Championship. Uh, Nia Jax won. Uh, this is one of the few occasions where the Andre the Giant principal holds.
1: You know, they didn't. Seems I don't like think they...
0: every year.
1: Matt, did they say once during that match that the winner got a title shot?
2: Uh, they did say something about that because uh I, I do remember them hyping it up at some point either during the match or afterwards they they did they did hype that at some point uh if we're talking about this, I want to point out that uh do you do you recall the the spot at towards the end um with Zelina Vega and how Naya threw her out onto Tamina, yeah. Yeah, in our kind of in depth discussion we we touched upon how like Tamita isn't really worth much of any <laughs> she's not very, very good. Uh apparently she she didn't catch Selena correctly, so there Selena either did suffer a concussion or there's fears that she did. Because Tamina what? couldn't even couldn't even catch her properly. And, what
1: and Tamita got rewarded with a push because her and Naya are a thing now.
0: Hmm. You know, guys. This is kind of embarrassing since I wasn't on the episode where you guys did go in-depth on this. (laughs) You guys talked about evolution very very in-depth and at great length. So um, I guess what I should really do is kind of say, was there anything you wanted to revisit from this?
1: Um, Just that I still want to stick by that Becky Lynch and Charlotte was a great match and probably the main thing to watch off of this.
2: It was a legitimately great match. Uh, I don't think we we mentioned this on the. I think we, we behind the scenes we discussed Brad and I how uh, I think Meltzer gave that like almost five stars, which I think is kind of over. It, he's it, overrating it. I think slightly, but
1: he it has a lot of the things he likes though. Mm. So I I I I wasn't surprised by what he rated it because based on based on what he likes, he was gonna like that match
2: Yeah,
1: I have to say I did like uh, Nikki Cross's um, debut on SmackDown last week.
2: I have not seen that yet.
1: So, um, all right. Everything else I think is pretty skippable. But if you if you didn't watch it, um, go go see um, Becky Lynch and Charlotte.
0: All right. so, my apologies to the folks at home. You've heard part of this before. and uh, I did listen to the podcast. You guys did a great job, but I may or may not have slept since then. It's a little fuzzy.
1: It's okay.
0: <laughs> Moving on over to Crown Jewel. Deep sigh. All right. <laughs> Crown Jewel happened. Um, it was... Well, it happened. That's that's really what I got. So
1: it was a uh, wrestling show that um, happened in a wrestling ring.
2: Yeah, there is. I feel like there is a lot to talk about with this show in terms in terms of a lot of the choices
1: made. Can, can we talk about? Can we just cut to the chase on on part of this and just ask the question: Is twenty eighteen the worst booked year of WWE wrestling ever?
2: Ever is a lot... It's a big universe because, I mean, there were some times way back in in the 90s, like the mid-90s, where things were really, really bad.
1: Yeah, but was, but... was, it, was it... Was, like, even, like, 95, was that counterproductive, or was that, like... You know, bad roster mixed with bad gimmicks, but you know the the step A to step B was competent.
2: Yeah, I don't know. This is a pretty bad year. Um, they, in terms of booking, it's it's actually quite bad. But they've gotten lucky that a few of the actual pay per views themselves have been of good quality, at least in terms of like the in ring
0: product. Yeah.
1: I would even say they're down. Um, their qualities down in ring from like the last couple years, though, because the wrestling overall hasn't been great this year comparatively, and especially when you bring like New Japan into the picture, like they've had a pretty well, bad year in the ring.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna offer a counterpoint in that the. The really good stuff is more focused on the particular people than just kind of generally being good throughout the card a lot. So you know, I mean, AJ, um, AJ and Joe has been staggeringly good. New Day and Bar uh, have been really good stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but AJ and AJ and Joe isn't going to be a memorable feud like a couple years from now because Joe never won. Like it really there was never a threat to AJ because Joe never beat him.
2: It's yeah, and when they started off it seemed that realistically Joe was gonna pick up the win and the title. Uh it could, that like that first match where it was a DQ finish, um, it was fine, I thought, because like well, Joe will come back and eventually win the title, but they they've just they've never done that. And I don't know why, other than it, it must just be like Joe, de- uh, not Joe, Vince doesn't see Joe as,
0: I guess, the guy to put the title on. I don't know. That, that bothers me because Joe seems like a perfect choice. We were talking about this through the whole thing. There's just so much like Joe has gotten closer and closer to winning um, with the match they had where <laughs> AJ rolled the choke back. Into the pinfall, and yet still got the you know Joe still got him to tap right before the three count. You know how do you how do you not springboard that in unless it's a I don't know unless it's a um, thing about having AJ being the like longest title holder of the modern era kind of thing. I don't know.
1: But if you look at like how they handled Daniel Bryan since he's come back, that's been pretty terrible, too.
2: Initially, I could kind of uh, explain that away is that they weren't sure whether he was going to re sign. Uh, so it's understandable if they're not giving him some sort of huge push. And uh, as much as I love the guy, given his health issues in the past, I can kind of see if they're not going to put like the title on him again, even though I would kind of love that if they did, even for just a limited duration. Um, that made sense until he resigned, but obviously he's resigned since then. He's not going anywhere. But they still haven't done anything with him. And I've been to live shows this year where he's on the card, and he is far and away probably the most over guy, the most popular guy, like the entire stadium or the entire arena, wherever I've seen these shows; it just goes crazy for him. Uh, and there's few people who have got that sort of pop that I've seen in, in the same situations. Like uh, Stroman's pretty over like that. Yeah, uh, but I
1: think I think Strowman's about another loss away from. Um...
2: Oh yeah, they and in, in this show in particular, which we'll get into briefly a little bit further on. Like they they did him no favors in this match in this the show. Um so I think you're right like they're 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 on the they're precariously on the edge they're making people start to not care about Strowman.
1: You know you know what this you know what this current WWE would have done? They would have had Hulk Hogan tap out to the Camel Clutch to the Iron Sheik in Madison Square Garden 84.
2: Yeah. It, it, it's so dumb. It's it well, do we want to get into that or do
0: we want well, to yeah. It's it's I think we could stretch a whole episode out of the uh, out of the the debate on the worst book stuff. So yeah. let's let's. Uh,
1: let's...
0: I want to revisit that.
1: Yeah, that's... Uh, that'd
0: be a good year-end thing, I believe. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say uh, in in looking at this card, because I've only gotten to watch bits and pieces of it, I'm going to kind of lump some of it in together <clears throat> to have a World Cup. Happen on this card. Whereas it happens. All the competitors are American. It's kind of. Odd. And then to have the finish you had. I don't. Um, is there. I mean is there outside pressure. For more. Heel McMahon stuff that I'm not aware of. Or. Am, am, am I just. Missing. I
1: I think the problem is is their ratings are going down, and I'm guessing merch sales aren't doing so hot because they keep fucking all their stars over with counterproductive booking, so they're going to what they know, which is more McMahons.
0: Mm. That's unfortunate.
1: Because, you know, I I mean, you ended Rusev Day, so you're not selling those shirts anymore.
0: Yeah, that that really confused me. Is why they would want to go ahead and and kill the the Goose Lane Golden Eggs on that.
1: I don't even think we've as popular seen as he was. I don't even think we've seen Aiden English since uh, they broke that up.
0: Um, not since they that one match they had yeah. with the very soap opera yet somewhat charming feud that went with it. You know. <laughs> screwy, screwy. Because it, it may be even slimier for trying to cause more problems. Um, so that leaves us, we kind of already talked about the A.J. Joe thing. <clears throat> that leaves us with the two, <laughs> um, two elephants in the room that come from Crown Jewel because ultimately the whole World Cup thing on this show doesn't doesn't really mean anything, right? Like it's it's long term it's just a vehicle to, to generate some new heat. Um, AJ Joe the next verse was the same as the first. And so the, the elephants in the room were the universal title match. Lesnar and Strowman. We'll we'll do that one first.
2: So yeah. this, I thought, was com- absolutely terrible for Braun, although they didn't see that. And in fact, there was, a le- there was apparently a booking rationale behind this. I would which, love to hear it. Well, the idea actually is that even though this, for all purposes, was effectively a squash match where Lesnar steamrolls Strowman, uh, the company actually thought they were protecting him. Strowman, that is because uh, they had, right before the match, they had uh, Corbin assault him with the belt, uh, and then Lesnar kept having to give him F5s, and he kicked out. Uh, The problem problem with that is that even if you're going to present it that way, that he was only hurt because he was assaulted with a foreign object beforehand, then it took multiple fives to actually put him away like you could maybe make the argument that you're kind of presenting him still as a monster who eventually he was beaten because he was just too overcome by all these disadvantages and cheating on the half of brock and baron corbin the announced team who was worthless like the entire night did not sell that at all like they didn't put it over at all and mm-hmm. there's no excuse for that since you know they they always have Vince or some other McMahon yelling at them in their ear as to what to say. So there's no excuse for that. So what you had, actually, if you're not if you're listening to it without the commentary, you just see Braun getting repeatedly f fived and then beaten by Brock in like four minutes. Um and even if you did have the commentary on, they're not selling the fact really that it's it's taking all this punishment to put braun away. and, only reason he got defeated is because he was screwed out of the out of the title you got none of that uh so even if the idea is to protect braun i feel like they didn't do anything and the greater issue which we can talk about is i think it's clear like they just have they 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 have panicked on such an insane level that they no longer have roman like it's it's crazy
1: Why did they get into this thing, though? They did this to Roman, like, all year, and now they're going to do it to Braun, like, where they keep, they keep, like, having them take these horrible losses, and then they, they want the fans to cheer for them? Like, okay, like, I want to (sighs) cheer for the loser?
2: Yeah, it's like, look, look, I understand that there is, there's money in the the face chasing the heel champion to get the Mm -hmm. title, but the problem is that you need an actual payoff. You need the actual the the face to actually win at some point and then hold the belt for a while to actually give him legitimacy otherwise guess what he's just a loser he's a chump
1: well they don't they and they don't did that with, they did that with roman they don't do it right either like the heel's supposed to cheat like and get DQ'd or counted out to escape too yeah not, he's not just to be
2: win. Sl- he's supposed to be Weasley. yeah he's supposed to be cowardly well, well
0: they if they're that. not being a Weasley coward then you, you... You remember how the the Sting Vader thing was? It's like Sting challenged Vader repeatedly, and every time he got closer to the top of the mountain. The problem is Braun has already been super close to defeating Lesnar, so there's no journey to take because he's already there. Well,
1: but the, the only thing problem, they can do is knock
0: him back down the mountain.
1: The other problem too is Lesnar only works like three times a year, so now Le- so now Braun's just holding his dick until WrestleMania.
2: Yeah, well, so the the inside news uh, apparently from Meltzer is that uh, they gave Braun some sort of new deal, which I imagine must have happened immediately after Roman Roman's illness became disclosed. Uh, I think Lesnar was contracted to do this show. He, that was always going to be a done deal, but the concept was for for Roman to go over both him and Braun on this show. Uh, but once, obviously. Roman is ill. He's no longer able to perform for who knows the indefinite future. Uh, I think that's when they probably offer Brock a new deal. He does have a new deal, and allegedly it's only for I think another two to three matches.
1: I think so it's two, maybe.
2: It may be three because what I'm hearing is that he's definitely going to be doing Survivor Series because they have the oh, whole champion right. versus champion. Oh. Yeah, the whole champion versus champion match. So it's going to be basically a rematch of last year between him and AJ. Uh, and then there is, he might be wrestling at Rumble. There allegedly is some sort of angle in mind for him. So the idea is that he will have a WrestleMania match and one knows beyond that. Well, if they yeah. don't take the belt off him be prepared for another six months of him having the title and not defending it
1: i i uh, i hate i hate lesnar matches now because you know what lesnar matches are they're five minutes it's a bunch of bullshit suplex city and then whatever the finish is
0: yeah the only thing that i can i can really hope for is that <clears throat> and this is short term too Lesnar apparently really liked working with AJ. So the only thing I can really hope for is we get Survivor Series. They actually have a match as opposed to the Lesnar match you just laid out. And I don't think it's likely, but I'm going to cross my fingers and say maybe just maybe we might see AJ take that one.
1: I would imagine Strowman costs Brock the match.
0: It, it. Yeah. So, we could. I could see that happening, and it would be nice because it would be kind of a change. But.
1: Or, or what'll happen is, Brock wins. Braun gets involved. Brock totally punks him out and makes him look like a bitch again, and then still wins the match, which is probably the more likely scenario.
0: Yeah, because they're just gonna. That. That's what history would indicate.
1: And can we can we also mention too that they've absolutely killed Dean Ambrose's heat with uh, that heel turn?
2: I haven't really seen a lot of Raw. Um,
0: He's since coming the out turn. to crickets. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! They, had they apparently planned for him to to be uh, a heel later on, but they they went ahead and pulled the trigger on it with Roman's announcement. It seems to me that they should have waited.
1: Well, no, they had to get heat I, off of that. They had to get heat off of that Roman Reigns leukemia emotion, because why let, why let something real get in the way of the fake wrestling um, world?
2: Yeah. The, yeah. That's so stupid.
1: Yeah. I, I could
2: I could appreciate that the ideal along was to have Dean turn. And that may, that may have actually been a, a actually compelling storyline down the road. If you had, roman hold the title for quite a few months and all of a sudden dean turns on him you have like a ready-made feud that could have even been a good mania match uh but I yeah i don't i mean they were criticized when they had the turn uh on the the night of roman's announcement because of, of how insensitive and bizarre it was
1: they don't know how to be real it, human beings
0: the the folks in the writing room, from the stories I've heard, don't. I don't know how, they keep wanting to hire, you know, actual TV writers and stuff. And then whenever they bring those people in, they don't listen to them. They don't do what real, you know, TV writers do. So, of course, you're going to run into problems. Um, it's just really frustrating, you know. So, I guess the the three of us are kind of of the consensus that we're going to get to look forward to uh, Brock not being there and Braun wandering around, wondering where he is, I guess.
1: They don't really mention the title or Brock when he's not there, so I imagine it's going to be poof um, forgotten until Brock actually decide he's going to, you know work
0: yeah fair enough and that's that's it's unfortunate really because there's so much stuff to miss out on in doing that you know there are so many cool things that we could have that that could happen and instead as has been an issue for the last few years, they get so locked into this one idea that they won't deviate from it.
1: Well, see, those other ideas, Shad might be fun and we can't have people going to the shows and having fun.
0: That's sure what it seems like.
1: So then not to be topped, we had, was this the main event, Matt? Because I didn't watch this show.
0: Uh, no, the main event was uh, DX versus the brothers of destruction. Oh
1: God. Okay. Let's just forget that happened. Oh, we yeah, can't it
0: yeah we can't because that had almost three times the amount of time put into it than anything else on the card yeah it just finished five minutes ago that's how long that,
1: that... <laughs> you know i hope i hope that triple h's takeaway from this is that he needs to stop wrestling
2: you know he wasn't he wasn't doing too bad until the injury but look I understand that he comes from like the old school mentality where you get injured you can finish the match but he got injured probably like within the first 10 minutes of a match that then went like another 20 minutes and I'm at not- that point I don't. I'm sorry just like if you're that seriously hurt and he could you could tell he couldn't even lift the right arm like just call an audible and at least cut If you have 20 more minutes to go, cut half of that, at least.
1: I'm not talking about his in-ring quality, because he still retains some level of ability. I'm just talking about how whenever he gets involved... He's still got
0: the psychology, but...
1: I'm more talking about the booking around him, though. Like, when he gets involved, it's always counterproductive to whoever he's involved with. And I'm still bitter that he beat Sting at Mania, because there's only one person in the world that thought that was a good idea, and it was him, and he's always going to carry that bad decision on his shoulders and i'm never going to trust him with anything because yeah that. that
0: that that did not need to happen there was no good reason for that to happen especially given that that was not the only match thing had for the company he came back later and did more stuff therefore it's not like the the rationale of, of hey you know I had to come to work tomorrow he didn't um, it was he came and he worked matches later he did the thing with with Seth later on
1: that no one wanted which
0: is which is a whole other issue so the 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 rationale that rationale doesn't hold up either um, yeah here's what what is Triple H at this point is he, he forty nine. He is almost 50. He cannot keep working matches the way he used to, and yet he still wants everyone to think of him as the barbarian king kind of thing that he's not...
1: Remember Undertaker and Michaels and Triple H used to bitch about the old guys in WCW not getting the fuck out of the way, and now they're older and they're doing the same shit.
0: Yeah, it's it's not. It's not. We're 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 approaching the point that we need someone to to um be. An, position to deliver another age in a cage promo without fear for their job i guess or where they'll be taken seriously
1: oh we we also for we also i also we it kind of flew under the radar with me until like i think last week but they snuck hogan out for this too
2: oh yeah to host yeah I, I did i did note that i, I wrote notes for this show and th- that that was the initial part um because he came out first, he was the quote unquote, quote unquote host of this show, even though he never appeared again. Um, I just found did did any of you find it surreal the absurdity of him coming out to real American in uh in this in this particular
0: area? I, I believe I made my joke to you about that, didn't I? Yeah, I forget what it was. Go ahead. I am a real Arabian. Cut the hands off of every man, you know, it's God, what a weird, I guess they kind of figured, you know, nobody's going to watch us anyway. We might as well sneak it back out there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so, Matt, you did you watch this whole show, Matt? Oh, I did. How on a scale of like one to ten, one being the absolute worst, what would you rate this show overall as?
2: So, I liked the New Day bar match. Um, I actually liked Miz versus Ray. Uh, I liked I liked Styles versus Joe, even though we've kind of seen it before. Um, so, the liking those three matches, thinking those three matches were at least decent. Um, I wouldn't rate it a one, but other than that, between booking and match quality, match quality was. Overall, very poor. Some of these matches were at best, like TV quality matches, but not even like main event level matches. And even the ones I liked, like Miz versus Ray, that was, uh, I liked it, but it was, it. that's like your SmackDown TV main event quality match. It's not pay-per-view quality. Um, I'd probably give it like a two if we're going one to five. Wow. Maybe, maybe, maybe 1.5, maybe 1.5.
1: How does it rate to what we reviewed last week which was Halloween Havoc 1995, better or worse?
2: I f- <sighs> See, I feel a lot of the matches on Halloween Havoc were bad, but like the the couple matches that I actually thought were good quality were much better quality I felt than than these matches cuz again, the best I can really say about these matches is that they were they were like TV level.
1: They were quality.
2: Yeah, I mean, like the the New Day bar match was probably the best one, um, and again, that that's the only one that could maybe be near the level of like pay per view quality. But again, I really felt that's more like a that's more like a SmackDown main event. These are all just like main event level matches in on like TV shows like Raw or SmackDown, not like pay per view, not great. So, and the wackiness of the stuff on Halloween Havoc was probably more endearing in the long run it's like weird but still fun
1: Charming so and bad
2: yeah um so i would rate that higher much much higher than this this is a this is a show that would be forgettable even if it was if they didn't have horrible booking but the fact that the booking was so bad it's it's just it's a show you want to actively avoid
1: okay
0: it's um it's unfortunate because I know I've said on the podcast before that if a match and it's fine, that's all right. But the, the caveat to that is if, if every match on the card is fine, then it's not memorable. Everything is just okay. What makes <laughs> The thing is what makes this memorable, not the good stuff right it's it the good stuff is stuff that we've we've seen before and it's still good but that doesn't make it um you know that doesn't doesn't make it more memorable so what are you gonna do right if only they'd call us up and just let us uh just just let us tell them everything how they need to fix it. I'm sure that would go over super well, wouldn't it?
1: <laughs> like, I get you can't be right about everything. And yeah. There's going to be some stuff that falls flat. But they're wrong on, like, everything.
0: Yeah, there, like, there was nothing this show that...
1: Like, even the, their continued handling of Becky Lynch just shows, like, the state of this company right now.
2: I, I what I don't understand what they're doing with that because they keep pushing her as a heel, and n- no one is no one is accepting that. Like it's universally being rejected, and I don't know if they are just being pigheaded or Vince is being just stubborn. Or I can't give them enough credit to think that this is some sort of weird like reverse psychology thing where like they know. That no one buys her as a heel, so they keep presenting her as a heel because it's it's actually giving her more heat. Uh, I don't know. I think, it,
1: I, think I think if we, I think if it really got boiled down to what it is, it's going to be stupid, like her accent.
2: They've pushed Irish people before. They were just, obsessed, They were obsessed with having Seamus be like the new guy for a, yeah. few, a few years ago. It's so weird, isn't it? Vince is currently like in love with Drew McIntyre, and he has a really thick Scottish brogue.
1: Man, I don't know. I, it, just, it just baffles me.
0: Oh, I don't blame you. I'm baffled, too. <clears throat> it's just really, really weird right now. Because not only are we in this place where, like, okay, Becky has the title. We're happy for that because she's out there killing it, right? And yet it kinda seems like they don't get why she's killing it. The title's back on Lesnar, so basically we can just forget about it for, you know, six months. And then you have talent, you know, SmackDown's got a bunch of talented guys who aren't the you know, they're they're kind of stuck in place. So they're not doing anything you know we finally got to see nakamura have another match but he was off tv for what like a month so you know what what happens where where are we going we're going into survivor series one of the biggest shows of the year what's what's happening where where are we going
1: the problem is like everything's filler now so nothing means anything and they don't build up anything
0: yeah that's what it, it yeah the, that's what I mean, is we're, we're, it seems like we don't have direction.
1: I think they just, they're trying to fill up air. They don't care what is on half the time.
2: You know what? They can have that attitude, um, but they're entering into these new agreements, and I don't know what they're thinking, because it's like, it, it, n- they're not bulletproof. Like, if the ratings start to suffer even further than they are, and ratings are starting to drop. Like, I don't know what they're thinking. Like, they're if they're really going to be on Fox in the fall of 2019, like, Fox will move their their show to some other Fox-owned network. They will no longer be on main network Fox if the ratings start to tank. Like, they'll throw them to, like, FX or FXX or something, and then all of a sudden they're going to be in a bad predicament. Like, I don't know what they're thinking.
1: Well, I think I think we're there in trouble, and I think is should be really scary for them which and i don't think any sports league is ready for this but i think the tv rights for live sporting events is a huge bubble right now Mm -hmm. and i think in another five to ten years a lot of these broadcasting companies are going to look at those contracts and be like we can't afford this shit like you're going to have to resign for a fraction of that and all these leagues are going to suddenly like be looking at tv deals that are only worth maybe like a third to half of what they're currently getting. And if you look at like some of the WWE's financials, like the only thing they make money on is the TV rights. So when that happens, they're going to be in deep shit.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is the problem that they're going to run into is that they will have dug their own hole through their complacency. If the thought is we're we're fine, we've got these TV deals, we don't have to worry about it, and then that tanks their ratings because no one's wanting to tune in to be they don't watch TV to be bored with what's happening. Then you know what happens? What do you do, what do you do there? It's kind of a little bit late to get it in gear because now you don't have any leverage to negotiate with.
1: The next couple am of years I they- am I
0: staying on point with you guys or is the sleep deprivation like putting me off onto different tangents no, no it's
1: it's <laughs> listening it's it's listening to your the problem the, so what's going on with me is this is kind of like a heavy topic so I'm just kind of listening and I'm not necessarily ready to jump in the second you stop mm. talking okay. So I'm kind of thinking about it because because wrestling's at a really interesting place right now especially with WWE and they're kind of in a vulnerable monetary situation if their tv deals ever dry up but then at the same time you have like ring of honor that's kind of starting to look like they're in a really scary place too Mm -hmm. so it's the landscape's just weird right now
2: it is and it's that's kind of fascinating in a way because in many levels wrestling has never been more uh popular well i shouldn't say never but it hasn't been as popular as it is right now in probably like what 15 years maybe longer
1: uh 16 ish years maybe
2: yeah it's in it's been almost like you have to go back almost two decades for wrestling to be as hot as it is right now um like new japan ring of honor bullet club even like the indie scene just in general like it's doing extraordinarily well like PwG routinely sells out. There's there's been promotions I've heard, I think I've seen through like Meltzer or other sites that have reported like they'll sell out like thousand tickets or something. Uh which doesn't sound like great when you're comparing it to WWE who can sell out huge stadiums for mania and everything. But if you have like a smaller medium promotion that is selling out like a thousand tickets for a show, like that's pretty good. Yeah. Hey, I mean, it's, things are things are really hot
1: right now, and it's being mismanaged by like two of the big companies in the yeah. United States.
0: Mm-hmm. This is it, we're we're sitting at a point again because I said this in the mid late two thousands too. We're sitting at a point where it's pretty obvious that everyone would have been better served if WCW had made a resurgence because then there would be competition to keep people engaged and be interesting and not suck.
1: I kind of wish impact had made this turnaround when they were still on spike because some of the things impacts doing with their working relationships and how they're approaching wrestling is really interesting right now. And I feel like if they had a bigger platform, they could actually be um, kind of a player on the big stage.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It, what the E needs right now is a really like a scary competitor, so they get their they get their stuff in gear. But we don't have that, so you know how how do you? The only thing I can figure that's going to make a big change out of all of this is if they end up shooting themselves in the foot, because I don't think someone's finally going to wake up one day and go, you know what, we should do something different.
1: I mean Un- honestly, unless
0: God forbid you know Vince has a heart attack in his sleep or something. I don't wish that on anybody, but that's the only way I could see there being a drastic change in how things are done.
1: honestly, New Japan coming in and selling out Madison Square Garden should scare the crap out of them.
2: I think it did, considering they went through quite a bit of they 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 tried to shut that down,
1: yeah.
0: Well, then um <laughs> I'm not sure what else we can add we're we're kind of we're kind of at that point again, but we wouldn't be at that point again if we weren't looking at the same old same old
1: yeah again. that's kind of the problem when we do the modern shows. It feels like we're just kinda chasing our tails over and over again
0: it's um it's in this spot wherein we don't have a you know we don't have anything changing so what can we do with it you know what what, what what, can we do what can we talk about that's different if the stuff keeps staying the same yeah and I don't know man I'd like to bring up one more thing from this show they had
2: that whole little stupid uh, world cup or whatever it was supposed to be yeah and then they have Shane win it.
1: I read that was the plan all along too. That wasn't some like emergency substitution.
2: Yeah, it was the plan all along because their idea is that Shane is going to turn heel and that's the they're gonna go back to a well that dried up twenty years ago with a heel McMahon authority figure.
1: Cause Stephanie's not bad enough.
2: Yeah. I will give Shane credit. He looked like in good shape
0: (laughs) for this. uh, He always looks like he's
1: about to have a heart attack, though.
0: He he's got that kind of metabolism that whenever you start getting active, his face flushes and he starts sweating immediately. Because I do that that I don't get the face flush, but i I immediately will start if I start getting active, my body will start sweating immediately, like right off the bat. It's always done that. Um. The problem is, and you're right, it looks like he's getting ready to have a heart attack. And I don't think his punches have ever gotten any better.
1: No. So,
0: well, everybody, I think we've we've about beat this dead horse as much as we can. Mm -hmm. So, unless there's anything else we'd like to add... We want to thank you all for joining us. Um, This is Shad with uh, Matt and Brad on the Four Corners podcast. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth. We'd love to hear from you. And you all take care.